Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are French football journalist Mohamed Ali and GFFN zone Eric Devin and Philippe Bargeon. As teams start the new year with that new me attitude, who will stick to their New Year's resolutions and who will blow it within the first week? Well, I might have not stuck to mine yet, but we'll see who else has after these headlines. On Friday, Saint-Étienne travelled to Lille and took an early lead through Roman Amouma before the hosts equalised with a wonder strike from Nicolas Depreville. Early in Ledo, a draw in Michel Sejou's final game before handing over the reins to new owner Gerard Lopez. Saturday's early match saw Paris Saint-Germain travel to Rennes and come away with a 1-0 win, Julian Draxler marking his full debut with a goal. In the multiplex, Lorient staged a dramatic comeback win over Gangomp 3-1 to move out of the last place, but not quite out of the relegation zone. In Montpellier, embattled head coach Frederic Ants saw his side earn a one-all draw with Dijon, courtesy of Joramain Rousselon's late equaliser, while in snowy Nancy, Isard Dia scored the match's only goal that lift to lift the hosts to 11th place. In Toulouse, Le, um, their recent struggles continued as Nantes recorded a vital win to continue their good form under Sergio Conceição 1-0. Angers were barely recognisable from a combination of African combinations, call-ups and injuries, but would have been disappointed to see an early lead swip, a slip after Baptiste Santa Maria's own goal saw the hosts draw with Bordeaux 1-1. Sunday's early match saw Nice held by Metz 0-0. Le Grenat earned a surprising point, but still see themselves rooted to the bottom of the table. Caen turned in a surprising win over Lyon in Sunday's early evening match, with both Alexander Lacazette and Ivan Santini notching braces after Maxwell Cornet's own goal had opened the scoring, Caen eventually prevailing 3-2 in a feisty affair. The weekend's big match, Monaco's trip to Marseille, saw the hosts suffer their first home loss, 4-1, with Tomé Lemar scoring a sublime opener before Bernardo Silva contributed the brace to seal the result, which takes Leonardo Jardim's side top of the table. In Ligue 2, Brest and Lens both won to stay in the promotion places, but a cluster of five teams still sit within a point of third place. And that's all for the news. But remember, for all the latest headlines, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week at the Stade Velodrome where Monaco shifted back into top gear with a 4-1 win over Marseille. But let's talk about the hosts first. And Mel, was this a reminder of, despite all the good work under Rudy Garcia, that there's still plenty left to do? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, there was, from the first game in November, there was still, you know, no doubt that, you know, this team who did really well, I think, just before Christmas to chain those four victories and get back into a European spot, uh, potential for a European spot. But I think Monaco did, you know, kind of highlight last night that there were still a lot of changes that need to be made. And, you know, the squad level isn't as high. The gulf between the two sides Um uh, it's still pretty big. And even though the result, I think, was a bit exaggerated in favour of Monaco, um, the, you know, I think Marseille punished themselves more than Monaco uh, punished, you know, the opposition. Um, and it's just, for me, it's just a bit disappointing, I think, you know, after all that. Monaco, at times, were unplayable. You know, they, they counter at will. They've got a really, really good playing squad. But, you know, I think Monaco did perform exactly the same as they did just seven weeks ago in the return game at the end of November. And it's just a bit disappointing that Rudy, Rudy Garcia and the, the entire team did not learn um, anything from that game. I thought that that game was almost a carbon copy um, from that fixture. So it was really disappointing to see. Uh, Philip, what was your take on the game? I mean, Marseille, especially in the first half, weren't completely overwhelmed by the occasion and did get back in it at 2-1. Was it just a couple of lapses in concentration and, and, and stronger Monaco attacking that, that felled them in the end? No, I actually thought Marseille took the game to Monaco very, very strongly in all of the first half. Uh, Bakayoko was put uh, under pressure, under, under a lot of pressure, and even lost a couple of balls, made a couple of 
a couple of fouls, which doesn't happen, hasn't happened to him uh, very often in the first half of the season. Uh, the back, um, the back, the back four were actually quite uh, quite tested. Uh, they did have um, Sidibia at left back and Al Mamitore on at right back, who had a had a pretty good game. But yeah, I was I was surprised because Monaco took a two 0 lead. So first of all, Lemar, wow, what a what a great what a great love that was. Then you had the second goal from Falcao. Not I I honestly think Pili maybe should have done a bit better. It it wasn't that well taken. Uh, I thought. Um, and um, at two 0 up, I, I was uh, well. I was almost uh, almost ready to to turn to to turn it off and and watch another game because I thought Monaco would just steamroll Marseille. But they 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 stuck in. They they kept pressing the midfield. And yes, it may look like a soft goal to concede from a, from a, from Monaco and from a, a decent defense a defense that has Gleek and Jemison playing. Um, from that from that point of view, it may be a bit soft, but uh, you know, Marseille got back into the game, and it was only uh, at, on the stroke of halftime that Bernardo Silva scored uh, the first goal of his brace from a Toure, Toure cross. And the well, second half was uh, was basically an event, but I was I was still surprised that Marseille was able to to uh, to dominate um, uh, to uh, compete with uh, with Monaco for you know all of the first half i i honestly thought that they maybe uh, be um, up for it for the first 20 minutes but that then monaco's superiority would show so it was quite it was quite surprising but i mean yeah the game was over by half time obviously let's get that f- uh, i'm going to get this out of the way while i think about it the uh, <laughs> the lamar shot is that a is that a shot or is it a cross who what are we banking for here um cross. i'm not so sure yeah he, he was I, looking at your so man sure yeah <laughs> i'm not so sure he quite meant it but it, nonetheless let's take another note it was fantastic but i do mm. want to mention one player on the marseille team eric that maybe had it let's say he had a, a game of two halves in the sense that he was pretty good going forward, but he, he left some gaps going back, and that's uh, Sakai again, and we've mentioned him a couple of times. Is he at fault for a couple of the Monaco goals for being so out of position as they counter? I, I think so. I, I think that tactically, I think Garcia got it wrong. I understand his need to want to play consistently with his 4-3-3, but I think with the personnel that he didn't have available to him, notably Clinton Nigi, uh, he didn't quite have the the personnel to play this way. He has shown uh, a 3-5-2 in, in the past, uh, notably against PSG earlier in the season, soon after he'd taken over. And I think it might have been a better idea to go with that. Um, Sakai is decent going forward and has been all season. Uh, maybe to play uh, five at the back or three at the back and, and push Sakai further forward and drop Rekic for Doria and have three orthodox center backs, I, th- I think Marseille would have been a little bit more solid. So is Sakai at fault? In, in terms of an individual, to some extent, but I, I feel like it would be more to do with um, more to do with Marseille's tactical setup as as a whole. I think that you know, knowing how much Monaco liked to play on the counter, and and to and to have to have width uh, as well, it just doesn't make sense to to play that same system uh, with the personnel that he had available. It you know it may have worked against Toulouse. Uh, but it's not going to work against uh, a Monaco team that, you know, seeing that Nisa drawn are going to be chomping at the bit to go top. Mo, let's talk about the attacking sense from Marseille because, like we've already mentioned, in the first half they were pretty decent as well. Do you think that, that the combination that Garcia decided to use in, in Tovan and, and Cabela on the other side, were, were they the right choices going ahead of this and, and obviously Lopez mm. joining those three when needed? I think they're not so much the right choice. I think it was the only choice, really, um, at the moment, considering, you know, you know the other players on the bench, Cowie and uh, Saar, are not really of high quality, and you have NG uh, gone off to the African Cup of Nations. Um, but, uh, you know, it did work. I think in the first half, especially, Cabela, um, just, you know, after two minutes, uh, was denied by Subasic. And if he was just a little bit more clinical in front of goal as well, Marseille could really have had, I thought, three or, you know, about three or four, um, you know, goals even if if Cabela had just been um, better in his decision making as well as Gomez as well. Um, that first twenty-five minute period, I think you know, if we just had players of a slightly higher quality, Owen would have put them away. Um, but you know, that's just you know, it, it didn't work out, and Monaco rightly punished them for it um, over at the other end. But you know, attack-wise, I think even though. 
Marseille only scored what about twenty three goals in twenty games, which is really not a good ratio for a club their size. Um, in the last couple of games, the attacking endeavour hasn't really been all bad, considering you know the, the club has created, the team has created chances. Uh, it's just about finishing them. But you know, Gomez sometimes it's isolated to that front twelve and comes in off the right, but the cross is coming in and the final ball is always. Um, it isn't, isn't always a high standard. So, you know, you do need, you know, a few more clinical plays in that position to start putting them away. What do you make of uh, Garcia's uh, claims that uh, the referee was playing against Marseille? Mm. Well, I think a little bit exaggerating, but like, obviously that cut does stem from um, two, I thought, two really bad decisions by the referee. And Clement Tapan, you know, he's got... A really bad record against Marseille mm. because it's not it's not the first time. It definitely mm. isn't the first time, and I kind of I kind of saw this coming. Like every every other game but one that Tarpan's refereeing for Marseille for the last I don't know year or two. You know we've come away with a really really big complaint against him. The Gomez goal, um, I can't remember if it was like one nil, um, but definitely to just before um, Rolando did score, I'm sure. Mm. Um, when you put the ball in there, that was clearly onside. Mm. Um, you know, to to everybody where I was watching yesterday, um, and it wasn't even it wasn't even close really, to be honest. And then the the injury on Cabela, uh, who you saw had a you know he required seven stitches, but it didn't call any foul whatsoever. Um, two two big calls missed um, by Turpan, who I thought let Monaco off as well. Um, with a couple of their challenges, I didn't. I didn't like his performance at all last night. But then again, at the end of the day, you have to look at the result, and the result was a big win for Monaco out of out of um, you know, chances that they created where Marseille just gave them so much space. Um, so then again, you can't really fault the referee. It wasn't a game changing decision at the end of the day. I would have understood mm. if it was. Because yeah, I thought. Um, so so if I understand, do you think there was a foul on Tuva on the on the build up of Falcao's goal? Or not? Sorry. Do you think there was a foul on Tuvan in the build-up of Falcao's goal because the ball was? I was yeah. I was more fifty-fifty on that. I didn't think it yeah. was a heavy foul, but for me, it was kind of the again. You know, it's it's just it's just. I think sometimes you you know you, supporters are more keen to point out something just for the sake of mm. it. Um, mm. it. But the fact that the fact that you know they called out Tovan is because Marseille were actually so. Far off the field, that yeah, they were, yeah. broke away with one player um, in, in in the in one defender in his own half, you know, and mm. it was just so easy that you know Falcao had an absolute age to put that ball away, and then you'd complain about, you know, then you complain about. There's no point complaining about Tovan whether there was a foul or not in the half when you know he's he's got a whole length of uh, of the pitch to to run. Um, I, I I didn't think there was a foul there. I thought specifically, um, you know. The, the, the main the main cause for Gomis definitely that was the one that was absolutely inexcusable mm. for me yeah sure because I, I, I didn't think that uh, Zambu Anguissa or Vainqueur had uh, that bad a game I thought Monica was just that mm. good on the counter and uh, that yeah. good at uh, passing between the lines and Bernardo Silva was absolutely mm. unplayable and especially against someone like Ricky who just could not uh, yeah. could not track him all over the pitch because well first of all it's not even a left back so mm. it's very very hard to uh, um, I mean for any for any world class left back it would be would be very hard to to keep up with him but uh, he he was so uh, moving um, he was he was moving absolutely all over the place for basically the the, mm. the First forty-five minutes, and you you almost saw him more on the left-hand side than on the right-hand side, which is where he's uh, he's supposed to be. Yeah, and it's yeah, it was probably probably one of his of his best games. So I can't really fault Marseille for for that. But again, mm. kudos uh, kudos for trying really for trying to yeah. to make it to uh, make it a game in the, yeah, in the first half. Yeah, I think just before half term, just just before half time rather, I thought it was mm. a really really close game. Monaco did obviously yeah. score two quick fire goals. I thought the Lemar goal right at the beginning was a bit of a sucker punch. Considering yeah. OM had been uh, uh, dominating, but you know the way they got really back into the game um, be- in between the foul cow goals and just not letting down. I honestly thought at two one that we would have got the second. Mm. Um, but you know, again, Monaco give them an inch of space. And this is where you know you really have to uh, praise Leonardo Chardin, um and and just the players they had at his disposal. They just eke out, um, you know, the, the shape of the team, the movement. 
uh, where players get in behind the defenders and they immediately, um, you know, get involved. Yeah, that's just that's... yesterday was just amazing for that. I, you know, I could I could anticipate where the players would be moving five seconds before it actually happened. You know, it was just fantastic. But that's the thing, though, isn't it? I actually saw that Monaco didn't play that well in, in the first half. Um, and not not uh, not talking about the counter attack, but in mm. terms of of sitting deep and uh, keeping the ball, like a Bakayoko, Fabinho, Gleek, Jemison, uh, Sidibe, they mm. they definitely had better evenings. Yeah, they didn't. And they were Yeah, I, I didn't feel like they let, controlled anything. Mm. Let, let's until, let's know, talk about yeah. that that exciting attack really and, and Eric I'll, I'll bring you in on this and, and just a crazy stat that I saw on there who scored yesterday that Marseille 34.8% of the goals they've conceded in Liga this season have been to Monaco which <laughs> is an astonishing stat and they, they 60 goals in 20 games is absolutely ridiculous and they were at their scintillating best yesterday at times weren't they? Yeah absolutely I think that this this team I think were Okay, the two last matches that Monaco played, they they were overwhelming favorites, and and I think that we saw from Socho, we saw from Ga- uh, not Gaslight Ajaccio, AC Ajaccio, uh, how this team can be got at and played, and and to have a match contested against them in a scrappy, uh, aggressive way, and that that rattled Monaco. We saw we saw how you know this team is a lot of them are a little bit on the younger side, and and. They're rattled by that, but uh, I think that Marseille, you know, be it a, a sense of pride or, or Garcia's general ethos as he approaches tactics, uh, may have got it a little bit wrong by trying to be open and be attacking. Mm. I know they're at home. I know they're playing in front of their fans, and they don't want to make it seem like they're laying down. Uh, you know, we saw Ren do something similar, and that backfired on them against PSG. We'll come out of that later, but. I think a, a slightly more cautious and negative approach m- may have may have earned Marseille a draw. Uh, I don't think that Monaco were at their at their best uh, defensively. I think that, as you rightly say, Mo, that the, the Gomis chance should have been a goal. I think that uh, Jemerson and Gleek both did not have both sort of had matches to forget. Uh, I think Marseille were there for the taking and, and shown that they have been there for the taking uh, in terms of in terms of a team that just has a little bit better finishing and a little bit better focus. But that, that, wasn't, that wasn't the case. Marseille tried to, tried to play an open attacking game and it, it backfired. Um, now, Mo, I don't know. I mean, do you think for this Marseille team right now that Garcia should be his typical attacking self, or do you think that they should have taken a little bit more caution not necessarily tactically, but just in the general yeah. way that they approach the I, match? I mean, I, t- I totally agree with your... your um you know your comment there i think you know i think being at home and being in the, in the velodrome crowd you can't really just sit back you know the, the 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 conditions are not there really just to sit back against a monaco side who i would have thought you know would have had actually a bit of trouble uh considering that over the last you know two three games they they've slowed down you know um, i would say they they eat past so sure and and Ajaxi in the cup um, and i would have thought you know with a bit of intensity from marseille they uh, might something might have happened, but you know, I thought they did. They did prove in Paris that you know they could sit back and absorb the attacks. You know, absolutely close out oh, in yes. spaces against the creative players. And I thought, you know, when I said I said to a friend uh, after that game that if there's ever a game that Marseille just need to you know absolutely close the door, that you know they've got great experience from that Paris fixture. But then again, I guess Monaco, home and away, conceded eight goals in just under seven weeks. Um, and I just thought it was ridiculous. I think the way they just, you know, we don't have the squad, you know, we really don't have the squad to match up to Monaco um, at the moment. Um, and I would, you know, in hindsight, it's obviously a wonderful thing. Would it be better to have started off uh, on the back foot yesterday, you know, defending, defending, and maybe towards the last 15 minutes, maybe go ahead and grab a goal? Probably not, you know, I don't think Marseille would have uh, wanted that. But then again, you know, they did, they, they, Garcia went with a risk and, it didn't pay off in the end. Saying this, this was isn't isn't the end of the world for Marseille. I mean, yeah, absolutely um, not. I mean, nobody really expected. Um, uh, well, it's, it's, it's mm. maybe it's a bit it's a bit harsh, but uh, this was isn't a surprise. Uh, well, maybe yeah. the surprise is the is the gap in yeah. in, in in the scoreline. Knowing uh, Rudy Garcia, that he's quite a structured structured coach, but you know, there's no real shame at least this season in losing at home to Monaco. 
Absolutely. And also, I think the result was kind of made easier by the fact that everybody around Marseille lost um, over the weekend anyway. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see, you know, Marseille still six, you know, four points behind mm. Lyon. Next week in Lyon, it'll be really mm. interesting to see how he gets his tactics yeah. away from home. Does he go for the draw, like Eric mm. said? Um, or does he, you know, kind of change his side around and maybe, because obviously if Leon do in next weekend, fourth mm. is absolutely out of the question for Marseille, I believe. Let, let's oh, talk about that. Let's mm. talk about the hot button topic with Marseille at the moment, and that unfortunately mm. is uh, Dimitri Payet and, and his insistence to to leave them for from West Ham. There's been two bids reportedly rejected today of around twenty million pounds. Supposedly they've upped that to twenty one million. The meeting earlier today was supposedly lasted about fifteen minutes, so it doesn't seem like the two sides are talking too coherently at the moment, and it and. There are a report on Sky Sports just at the moment that he only wants to leave for Marseille, mainly due to family reasons. It's Marseille is the only club he's willing to go to. Uh, are you excited of a potential return from him, Mo? I mean, yeah, um, to an extent, yeah, because you know this is a player that's obviously you know approaching world class. Um, he he lit up his final season in France over in 2014-15, and he did the same last season. Um, for West Ham in the Premier League, you know, a lot of a lot is said about, you know, how players from France can make the grade in England. But he's definitely the one that's bucked the trend. Um, particularly last season, he's you know massive, massive, um, you know, creative talents in, in any side. And obviously, having that back to Marseille even <laughs> is very often the way that cl- uh, players kind of fight with. French clubs to kind of engineer and move to the Premier League. So, you know, we'll kind of take this one where the reverse is happening. And it's very great to see that player of Pyatt's ability finish 17th in the Ballon d'Or um, a couple of weeks ago, the FIFA, a FIFA award, I can't remember which, um, wants to move back to Marseille. So, you know, it's very, very interesting and exciting. Um, and if it, does, it does, if it does pull off, you know, I think it'll be great to see him at the Velo Gym again. You know, his love for the club is obviously unmatched. What kind of state does he actually get these days? I mean, is it an uh, inexcusable kind of um, treatment, or mm. do people actually do 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 uh, people actually understand why he wants to wants why he wants to go? Is it is mm. it uh, is it uh, a case of uh, West Ham are not having a great season? Actually, they're having a great yeah. run these well, days. I think. And yeah, I think. They, yeah. yeah. Beyond, I think honestly, nobody in England, nobody in England understands kind of the situation that West Ham and Pae find themselves in. I think, you know, a lot of people don't really understand sort of, you know, I call it English arrogance or superiority thinking, I don't know, but a lot of people really just can't comprehend that this is the situation. I think West Ham um, haven't had the best season, but I don't think a se- but having a bad season enough is mm. to really engineer a move away. I think there's something bubbling under the surface. Maybe if it's to do with personal reasons, well, they were, though. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they were in uh, terrible form, though. Mm. It has, I mean, it has... yeah, but, like, but you wouldn't see, you know, I mean, I, don't, I can't really pick a play off my head, but you really wouldn't see a team that's supposed to be mm. doing well in 17th or 18th. Well, some are actually 12th at the moment. Mm. You know, yeah. like, yeah. not exactly, not exactly scrapping. <laughs> not exactly scrapping um, uh, with, with the likes of Crystal Palace and Sunderland and the likes. But, um, you know... It's not as if that a player who's thought to be doing well and finds himself a team thinking, you know what, in January I'm off. You mm. know, that just doesn't happen. I think that it's something behind mm. closed doors, or I think over maybe his family, um, or the fact that maybe he just does not enjoy London, his, his kids can't settle in, and the like. Mm. I think that has been the motivator. Calling him money-grabbing so-and-so kind of surprises me because Marseille is not exactly a you know, destination for players to go with a lot of... Uh, you know that we're looking for a pay rise essentially, and I just think that he's he's yearning for home. Um, you know, his kids or his family are not enjoying it. He's probably not enjoying it, and you know, just no amount of money can you know mm. if you're feeling homesick, no amount of money can change that. But that, that's the thing. I mean, do people actually understand that? Do people actually understand? No, that he absolutely wants... not. No. Okay, absolutely <laughs> not. If you watch Super Sa- Soccer Saturday rather, and yeah. the likes of you know the Premier League pundits, I'm just absolutely you know. Incensed by a sort of yeah. yeah oh, don't get me started. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, in all honesty, in, in this kind of thing, I think sometimes mm. we forget 
these players are human. Um, yeah. We've yeah. seen it. Uh, the one that I, this brings to mind straight away, and unsurprisingly, it does is is Di Maria and and the unfortunate incident where his house was broken into without him, and how that clearly on the field affected him, and how much happier yeah. he must be in Paris mm. with a little bit more safety around him. That it just happens. It's football. It it's just not- happens. I mean, yeah. it's happened to Marseille uh, with Lucio Gonzalez a couple of years ago when his house got broken into in Marseille. And yeah. A couple of months yeah. later, he went to Porto for free. Yeah, um, a guy that Marseille signed for 20 million euros, the record transfer, went for free. You know, at the end of the day, Nathan, you're absolutely right. They're only human. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people are questioning why Marseille, you know, why why is it, you know, he could play for Arsenal, he could play for Chelsea, he could play for so-and-so. You know, at the end of the day, it's a job and he's a human being doing a job. Well, yeah, but, I, I, yeah, well, but, um, yeah, high-level sport is is uh, a mm. lot of uh, mental strength as well. And if you're not, you know, you're not happy with where you are and what you're doing. I mean, I think it's easy to have a... You, you make a, a few stray passes, you, you miss an easy chance, and I think it, it it becomes quite easy to just have a bad game and say, okay, so that I'm off. Which I think is what what is happening, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, I mean, I I agree, like, with West Ham, where, where, where they're concerned. I agree that it's absolutely mm. not the way to be doing it. I yeah. personally, you know, would have said, if, you know, wait till the summer because you just don't do this if West Ham are willing to sell he's 29 going on 30 in two months time um, just the market isn't right for a player his age West Ham are asking for a, a world record basically fee for a player his age um, at the moment and Marseille you know they have money but they don't have unlimited money and the way that he's doing it you know striking he's, he's got he's got a club that adores him a club that really you know hit the jackpot when they signed him two years ago um, and he's done well at, and you know, he's been given the chance to really make um, a statement. You know, they've just opened a new stadium, um, you know, to really put himself in the category of the likes of like um, uh, Zola uh, and, uh, and others, uh, Di Canio as well. Um, really, you know, make a name for himself. And if he, if he is to leave, if he's not happy at the end of the season, um, you know, move on. If it's to Marseille, I don't think, well, you know, what, what's, what is four months essentially? What is four months? Uh, absolutely nothing. It's not. It's, it really isn't that much for your family to get ahead of you now, and for you to join them in a couple of months. Really, you know, he's on a massive golden salary as well. I personally mm. don't agree with the striking. So the onus is on you. Know what can you do? There's no easy, easy answers here. Yeah, and and, and let's bookend this by saying that um, in the, at the end of the day, this isn't the first time he's been on strike at a football club either. So it's maybe. <laughs> Yes, it's maybe a minor question of character as well, and maybe that's something that clubs should study before these they buy these kind of players. But let's uh, let, before we spin out of control, let's let's leave it there. Thank you, uh, Mo, for joining us this evening. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll move on now to another big transfer in France that actually went has been gone through, and that's the signing of Julian Drexler to Paris Saint Germain, and the Germans started ahead of. Angel Di Maria in the starts in the starting lineup and scored in that one 0 win over Ren. Eric, is that a real statement of intent from Unai Emery to leave out the Argentinian and start his new signing? Uh, a statement of intent. Is I it think... him finally getting a grip on this team? Maybe that's what I'm thinking. But is it, as you mean stamping his authority in the team? Yes. I suppose it could be construed that way, but at the same point, you know, PSG have just been. Playing in the Coupe de la Ligue, uh, you know, Di Maria played a great match against Mets, uh, as far as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I don't think it's. I think if, if he is dropping him, it's either through it's either through rotation, or just to give Draxler a run out. It's not necessarily a, a statement of intent to say, "Listen, Di Maria, step in line." Uh, I do think, though, in terms of actual performance on the pitch, it does give. A really nice balance to the team. I think that uh, Draxler and Lucas have a similar way of playing. They can also cut inside and score goals, uh, whereas Maria is more of an Di Maria is more more of an orthodox winger and is more likely to stretch play and, and put in a cross. Uh, I think you're getting a little bit more versatility, uh, a little more goal scoring from Draxler, uh, and that is something that I I, I myself have slated Di Maria for in the past and not his for not scoring enough goals in this season in particular or contributing enough assists. Um, I think that in for a team like against a team like Ren who are playing more defensively, I mean Jelson Fernandez is your right midfielder, let's face it, you're not being very ambitious there. Uh, I think that in that case the Draxler makes more sense, but I think that 
for the time being, and, and we'll see how this comes to bear. But I, I think for me that Emery is going to stick with Di Maria in the biggest matches, matches that are more important. And I think as, as ludicrous as it may sound, uh, playing against Mets in the Coupe League was, at this point in time, more important than playing against Ren in the league. Uh, PSG have a long way to go in the league. They're, they're still in good position to challenge for the title, and now being three points off. But uh, the Coupe de la League has a, was a more, is, for the team at present, a more tangible trophy. Beat Mets, you're in the semis, you know, win, win that match, and then you're in the final. And that's a, the first trophy of the Emery era. And, so, and that's a very important step for, for him to take. I mean, he was brought in again to win European trophies, but I think there's been also some discussion that is important to think about. Had PSG taken the league for granted? And it, there necessarily needs to be a focus on these so-called lesser trophies as well to sort of keep things ticking along, keep the players happy, keep winning things. Uh, so I think for, for, for this match in isolation, I, don't think it's, I think we're a little too early to make any big conclusions. But I do see how there's, there's more of an attacking impetus when drafters on the pitch. And I think that could be useful against some um, more negatively focused uh, teams domestically. I think a lot of people were actually quite happy to see Di Marie on the bench and see him actually challenged and not getting the um, the uh, the nod in front of Lucas each and each and every time at every single every single game. Um, and I do agree that uh, with Draxler on the left, Lucas on the right, where which is his best position, he's uh, he's got. Um, He's got, he's got a, a good, um, he's got a good thing going on, and find a bit of competition. Finally, more than, more than a couple of wingers uh, and uh, and the youngsters. It's, uh, it's, it's good to see. All, all in all, it's, uh, it's good to see. Even though uh, Saturday was not the best game, uh, especially the, uh, especially the second half, we didn't see actually that much of Julian Draxler in the second half. Um, but um, it, yeah, it does, it does look good, and it adds more competition for spots, which is. Which can only be uh, be good for 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 the club. It needs it needs that kind of that kind of um, competition. Otherwise, uh, you, you can just see the players just you know being complacent. Speaking of competition, is there any more signings that the club needs to do this window? Maybe some more competition for Cavani, Philip, or or maybe some defensive reinforcements. Well, that's a big problem because uh, if you if we get, if PSG are going to um, buy another striker, he needs to be able to play the Champions League because the the aim here would be to uh, win the uh, win the league, um, compete against uh, Monaco and Nice. Although I reckon it's more going to be against Monaco, uh, um, and um, and do something against Barcelona. But if he's already played the Champions League, I don't really see who. I honestly don't think Clivert has anyone lined up to. Uh, to buy as a centre forward, I don't, I don't really see something going on. If and if I'm being completely honest, I don't think anyone will be, uh, will be signed until um, January, January 31st. There are talks of uh, James Rodriguez, not, not heard a lot else. And yeah, to be honest, I, I do, I do believe that Persia need reinforcements. They need reinforcements in the big games, but um, you know, aside from the game against Monaco in a couple of weeks, the um, probable final of the Coupe de la Ligue against Monaco and uh, the uh, the double header against Barcelona, there won't be that many um, big games to come until the end of the season. So, I I probably wait wait the end of the season. Uh, if I were if I were Persian and think about uh, who my real targets are, start contacting them now, or you know maybe even buy them now and 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 loan them for the rest of the season. I just don't see anyone new coming in. Eric, is That's that it. the same thought in your head for this January transfer? Now is that PSG done for this window? I think so. I, I think the other mitigating factor here, and I like to get Philip's take on this as well, is. The the fees that are being linked with players from Chinese clubs. I mean, we've seen yeah. Diego Costa, uh, Griezmann is another one who I've seen a couple of things about moving to China. Uh, and the fact that these fees are even be being bandied about means the market's artificially inflated. And, and January is already a hard time to buy players. January is already yeah. a hard time to buy center forwards in particular. So I think that PSG, if they're really going to go all in on giving this team to Emery and letting him put his mark on it, I think that they should allow him to take a holistic approach and bring a player in in the summer. Personally, if, if money were no object, I, I think I would bring in Aubameyang. Uh, I, I think that he's, his style of play is perfect for PSG, uh, but 
I, that's just me. I, I, I do think that the, just the current situation in, in world football in terms of availability of players and the prices is a mitigating factor right now. And I don't think that PSG, uh, money sp I don't think money spent now would be money spent wisely. Yeah, same. And uh, plus, I mean, who, um, who are who are PSG compared to Borussia Dortmund or Bayern Munich or Barcelona or anybody else? I mean, I don't. Uh, Obi doesn't strike me as as a guy who will say, "Oh, PSG want me." Well, I'm going to go uh, all Dimitri Payet, go and strike and uh, and just uh, and just wait until uh, I get my I get my move. I just I just uh, think that it would be a great um, great transfer for PSG for the club for French football to get Aubameyang. Back from the Bundesliga, but ultimately, I think he's he's quite happy where where he is, and that's that's this is where it's very very difficult because you need you need players who are at um, not as not as good clubs and uh, maybe maybe that do actually want to to play for PSG. Well, does that mean yeah, maybe a Lukaku? Maybe I'm still throwing that one in the in the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah the thing, yeah. I, the one thing I would say about Avanian is. Dortmund are having a bit of a tough season, and I wonder if, given his age, and I think he's 28 this year, given mm. his age, he's looking at his potential and saying, well, Dortmund are going to keep rebuilding with these youngsters. That's, that's the way they go. They yeah. sell players. They sell a Hummels. They sell a Goetz. I know Goetz is back, but you take Two by Munich. Or, or, to, or to anybody else. I mean, Mkhitaryan, yeah. um, Gundogan as well. And there's this constant churn of players. So I kind of wonder if, from Aubameyang's perspective, that he views Dortmund as being perhaps maybe bumping up against a ceiling that they're not going to go any 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 higher. Mm. If there could be something to that, that that's that's the reason that I I might put him forward as opposed to a, pl a player at a club that's a little bit more settled. Um, yeah. So that that's my that's my thinking there. That the constant turn of players for Dortmund might be a source of frustration. Mm. And I wouldn't mind us uh, buying uh, buying Dembele back, you know. <laughs> in a couple of years, could be. Can we could bring be everyone wise. back to French football? Yeah, it could be. <laughs> exactly. could, could be. Could be good. Decent competition for Di Maria in three seasons. Yeah. But I the, don't. The I don't think still be there. But you know, the years that French football starts buying back all their French players, blimey, that bit that'll be a good one. Marshall will be maybe, next. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on to two teams that didn't have quite the start to 2017 as they'd hoped as Nice drew with bottom club Mets and Lyon lost three to to Caen. Uh, we'll start at that draw at the Alliance um, Riviera, Eric. Um, is this a sign that they're going to miss some of those players that are out at the moment like Seri at the African Cup of Nations and, and Belonda and, and the like? Oh, undoubtedly. I, mean, I think looking at uh, who is available for, uh, for Nice, you know, obviously you're missing Balotelli from suspension and he'll be back. But yeah, I mean, this is this was their first their first choice lineup. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe you can make a, a make a point about Cardinal versus Benitez, but I thought Benitez had a really good game, a really good match. So mm -hmm. I I would have no no issue with that. And I think that uh, maybe you might want to bring in Acerik, but he I believe he's injured as well for the time being. Uh, so it's it's going to be a frustrating uh, next couple of weeks for for Nice. Even with Balotelli back, I think that the the creativity and the inventiveness that they get from Seri, having Seri and Belhanda in the side is really what makes the difference. You know, Nice aren't exactly an, an offensive juggernaut. They they do what they do by having a solid defense, by keeping the ball, uh, and without without those superlative creative players to sort of spring the lock, if you will. Uh, this might not be the, their first scoreless draw uh, until they get Belhanda and, and uh, Seri back from. Uh, Injury and, and Afcon, respectively. When is uh, what's wrong with Valter already? I mean, uh, I'm trying to remember. What's wrong with an him? injury or Remy Valter, the number eighteen, who uh, has played every basically every game in midfield, has kept Cotelo out of out of the side. I think he was injured uh, yeah. at the weekend. Okay, uh, but yeah. not for long, though. Nope. Not seen any reports of them. Yeah. So that that would suggest to me that it's not long term injuries, but what, what they did look good in the midfield. What, what I was surprised yeah. about is uh, is a formation three four three with uh, Lucien Favre um, completely changing everything instead of uh, maybe putting someone who's not that um, uh, shall we say accustomed to be playing behind the less and player. Um, 
and uh, having a three-man midfield like they always had. I mean, uh, this time around, it was only Cotillo with Cyprien. Both were completely lost. Um, having Ricardo Pereira uh, on the on the front on the front right of three-four-three, you didn't know where he was. Musamba was a bit more comfortable in that role, uh, playing uh, sometimes midfield, sometimes winger. But uh, you know, it just it just didn't work from the word go. Mets were more present in midfield, and uh, Benitez was more had more work to do than his uh, opposite number. And I just thought, you know, Fav, why don't you change the whole thing after twenty odd minutes? You can you, we can all see it's not working. And that uh, you're not troubling Mets, so you're probably not gonna gonna test Didion enough. Well, they they did a bit, but uh, why don't why don't why don't you change it? And why didn't you replace Player when he was obviously struggling? It's just it's almost as if he was trying to prove a point and say, okay, I'm gonna try and play three four three. It's not working. I'm gonna I'm gonna waste two points on a home game against Mets, and uh, and um, so that nobody will criticize me for playing this formation ever again. I just didn't see the whole point in in that game. And that's not just because I was live tweaking it yesterday, and I was bored. Well, so just, hold, hold on, Philip. You, you're saying you'd rather have seen them play three-five-two? Yeah, yeah. With with, with, with Donis, Donis and play up front. Mm. It's a tough one, isn't it? I, I, just, I, I mean, we don't even well. know what this guy's like. We we don't even know he's had so few opportunities. I mean, may, maybe it would have worked. Maybe it would have no, worked. I, but I I, 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 I like what I've seen from them. That. Yeah. That is a fair point. I mean, this is the thing, right? If if we have if managers have injuries, oftentimes they'll say, "I need the best eleven players on the pitch." But mm -hmm. if that comes at the risk of having to having to play several of them out of position, and essentially mm -hmm. you had the back line and Dalbert playing their correct positions, play as well. But Pereira is mm -hmm. playing further forward than he's used to. Suke is having to function as a as an, an auxiliary midfielder. Cyprian Carziello. No, he was, and, and that's the he thing. I, I, I watched this too. Cyprian and Cosiello, you know, their roles are slightly different, as you rightly mentioned. It's a two-man midfield yeah. as opposed to a three-man midfield. Mm. So he may be onto something there, Philip. I think that the consistency for, for 10 players versus a different versus giving Donis a try in Belhanda's spot might not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, mm. if, if Walter is back at the weekend, then I, I think Nice uh, will look a little bit more positive. But it's, a, it's, it's certainly a, a salient point. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not even the um, uh, the fact of you, you can play whoever you want next to play up front. Um, it, it doesn't even have to be that comfortable in the wall. It's just play with a midfield trio. Otherwise, you're just not going to have any impetus in midfield. It just just didn't didn't seem to be working at all. Um, and also, uh, one last thing about Nice Malangsa seems to be having a rough time. It's been going for um, a couple of weeks now. Well, a couple of weeks, um, December and and this, the start of this year. Uh, but he seems to be, to be less, much less confident these days than he, than he was before for some reason. I'm not sure why. Mm, I'm, I'm I'm just looking at that knee Spencer of Pouplin, Bernard, Doni, Spelmi, Marcel, Mao, and Bassetti. Mm. It's there's <laughs> there's maybe a little length of depth. That's maybe why he's thrown out that eleven of, of probably is what he feels at least is his his best team, but. And a bit of an anomaly this weekend. They might hopefully pick that up back next week and keep the title race exciting. But a, a really surprising result. Same with we've talked about how indifferent Con can be, but Leon again after picking up before the start of the winter break have again knocked themselves back with a poor result, Eric. And it's is this one excusable? Really, they were two 0 down relatively early on. They pulled it back before half time, but they still couldn't quite find a, a goal and eventually seceded to Infant Santini again. Excusable? I mean, that's a tough thing to say. I think that what this match came down to is that Khan had been awful on the road. Uh, and this is a, something I've, I'll address in my talking points that'll be out tomorrow as well. Khan have one point on the road all season. They're the worst team in France. Uh, now, they're on the road uh, against uh, Nantes uh, midweek this week, and they've got uh, more matches on the road against relegation rivals coming You're up. Waking as well. up anyway. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's fine. It's okay. Carry on. Um, and that being that being the case, Khan had to see this as being an, a place they had to get three points. So, but credit to them. Instead of instead of being negative and nasty, they played a physically aggressive game, and that unsettled players. You can see that Balbuena, Toliso, Fakir, those three in particular, were incredibly frustrated. Uh, with the physical, physical approach that 
uh, that Colin took to, took to the match. There were 47 fouls in this match, which was a, better than a foul every two minutes between the two sides. So they got what they wanted. They got Leon to react, to, to play physically with them as well, and to frustrate them. Fakir was magnificent last weekend against Montpellier. Three assists and a goal. He was nowhere near that player, even though they were playing in the same situation uh, with essentially the same 11. So Colin took, it to, took the opportunity to, to get Leon rattled, and they couldn't get back in that. Lacazette had two goals. That shows he's better in quality, but I think that particularly for the likes of Fekir and Toliso, uh, these are players who are incredibly talented but have struggled at times in adverse situations, of which this was one. And I think that to me is, is what it is. If, if Genesio can't bring that team to, to, play, to play to an approach that can avoid being sucked into that nasty, physical, chippy, chippy match that Con were trying to play, then... And then what do you have? What do you have? You have the result that's deserved. It. I, I think that uh, credit also to to Khan for being more positive. They moved to a three four three from a three five two to privilege Jan Carmo and play him as more more as an orthodox winger. And I think they look great as a result. But yeah, Khan got this right. Leon got this wrong. They didn't have the mental strength to deal with with Khan's approach, and that's that. Philip, what was your take on this one? I mean, there was a decent game from Lacazette and, and scoring the two goals, but Maxwell Corne scores an own goal and, and doesn't have the greatest of matches. What what was your take from this one? Philip? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what was your take from the from the Leon game? Uh, I thought um, the first goal was. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I just couldn't hear you, Eric, and um, and I had to um, reboot the whole thing. So I didn't really uh, listen to the last two minutes. Um, I thought that uh, yeah, Con's goal was uh, actually quite uh, quite fortunate, uh, being tuned up quite uh, quite early on. A very yeah, very entertaining, very entertaining first half. Kone did uh, did very well to get the equaliser, but then the second half was just not as um, uh, not as good, and Con really didn't need uh, to dig deep to get that uh, to get that winner. You'll never really. Um, well, there, was, there was this uh, this shot by uh, by by Tuzar, and yeah, and I mean quite uh, quite evenly contested. But I don't think we should criticize them that much. They were uh, beaten by a side that really wanted uh, wanted to win, and that uh, they are not that easy to beat anymore. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a real surprise from from Con. They like Eric's mentioned. They have been very good at home, and it. it they are sevens really? at home. That's not bad, and that's that's really pushed them really up the table at the moment. And so it's, it's impressive, especially with Santini starting to continue scoring goals. He's been he's been a really good addition for them this season. Um, time for a new section now just, that we uh, like. Go if, ahead. I, if I just may, um, I promise my friend I would do this. Memphis Depay to Lyon. Since Memphis Depay is playing at uh, the club you support, Nathan, and is heavily linked. Actually, he's not even linked. You have made two offers, places from 15 million and Manchester United 120. What does everyone think? Mm. I'll let you go first if you like, Eric. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, me too. <laughs> well, but he's okay. This is the thing they want a replacement nominally for Rashid Ghazal. Yeah. And Ghazal plays on the right. The pie plays on the left. Valbuena is in good form. I think you really risk upsetting the balance that this team has by bringing Depay in, unless uh, Genesio thinks he's going to play him on the right or switch Valbuena to the right. I think I think you're you're really at risk in, of of not throwing the season away, but making things go, go go south. I think if you want to bring in a player like this, bring him in in the summer. Um, and give him more time to integrate with the team. It's going to be a new language, a new club, uh, you know, a new league. I, I just, for that money, I appreciate Depay has potential. I know he was incredible um, with PSV, right? Is that right, Nathan, before he came yes. to United? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but mm, I just don't know about, for where, for where Leon are right now, I, I just, it doesn't seem like it makes the most sense to me. I agree with Eric in the sense that I, I think it's a maybe a slight warning sign that there's no other clubs in for him at all. Supposedly, Leon are the only club that's contacted uh, United about the pie, 
there's no one else throwing their hat in. No, no one from England at the moment is throwing their hat in either. Even at, uh, I believe we're asking for 17 million euros and the, the current offer stands at 15 million. So there's a little bit of ways to go, but does he fit Leon? He's a bit mercurial. He's He certainly has talent, but it's, he's never been consistent at United. He, he had a good run of games at the start of the season under Louis van Gaal last year. He didn't really do anything enough. He, he looked okay at times, and then he dropped off a cliff. Um, he seemed to have the right attitude coming in, but I'm not. He's barely played this season. After that, he's made a couple of substitute appearances. There's too many players in front of him at Man United now. Is is he going to upset that balance at Leon at this moment in time? Maybe, but also is maybe Leon thinking that. In the summer, there might be more competition, so the price may go up or he might go somewhere else. Maybe that's the motivating factor there. Um, if he can if he can produce the form we've seen in the past at PSV and Holland and uh, with the Netherlands, he could be a really terrific underrated signing and possibly cheap at that. But if he carries on playing the way he has done for Man United, um, it might be a waste of money, really, in all honesty. Well, that's the thing, though. He hasn't really played. I mean, he's played four substitute appearances, and most of them has come. He came onto the pitch with less than ten minutes to go. So, wouldn't he benefit from being um, a squad player at Lyon? Uh, with uh, well, they do have yeah, they, Lyon do have the Europa League, so they could uh, he could help them in in that competition. Yeah, he'll be oh, shit. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. about that. Well done. Um, or maybe in in other in other league games, uh, and then play a bit more regularly next season once he's settled. Um, a bit like you know, a bit like Marcos Jemison coming in coming in in uh, in the in January and um, not being very good at that from the start, but then having a good preparation and and yeah, then becoming a a decent a decent player for Lyon, which I do which I do reckon that could happen. Uh, he could also be bought in August. I mean, that's that's an that's an option as well. I think the only reason they're pursuing this deal so hard now is I think they think a, a, I'm not saying necessarily a bigger club, but other clubs with more opportunities might come in for him, and this might be a good time to sign someone who could potentially be very good, especially if Lacazette or Fakir were to go in the summer. I think that's probably the motivating factor at the moment. But it's a. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of it for Leon at this moment in time. In the summer, maybe, for them. But like I say, competition then maybe is a little bit of a worry. But um, we'll move on now to a new section, what we like to call the verdict. I'll throw a topic at a pundit. That can be a team, a player, or anything like that. And they will reply whether they think things look on the up or if they look like they'll go downhill from where they are. So this week, my topic is Nancy, who have, have lost just once in their last 10 games in all competitions, if you would believe it. Eric, have they made themselves safe from this run, or is that maybe just an illusion and, and a bit of a hasty top, uh, thing to go to now? No, I don't think so. I think that having watched them uh, against Nantes in the Cup, they have a good organisation. Uh, they may struggle a little bit with uh, with injury, with Michael Cretien uh, being injured and, and Clement Longley being sold. Uh, but Pablo Correa has this madcap rotation system, and it's when when he first started the season, I think most of us were like, "Really, you're going to literally change five or six players every match and and hope you can get away with it in a very competitive league?" But uh, believe it or not, it's worked. Uh, I, I think that he's gotten surprising performances from. The veteran players he's brought in, the likes of Alou Diara, the likes of Benoit Pedretti, I think you know when they played have been excellent. I think Tobias Padilla, uh, Padilla, the the young uh, left back slash centre back, is, has done really well as well. And Yusef and Banesser, who who's on loan from Monaco after being purchased, is has done well as well. I think there's a lot of balance to this team, and I think that in rotation uh, that allows Nancy to be really aggressive and to be really physical and. They don't have a ton of goals. That is a problem. Uh, I, I'm not going to shy away from that, and that does worry me. I think that some of the their, their forwards, uh, bringing Christoph Mondon, who had success in Ligue 1 in the past with Gangam, uh, has been perhaps not the best. Um, Anthony Cora struggled a little bit to make the leap to Ligue 1. But I think all in all, Nazi spirit, Nazi's organization, um, 
it puts them in a really good place. They don't have, you know, you look at a team like Mets that are struggling at the bottom of the table. They don't have the same willingness to to play to play in an organized way either. Uh, and you look at Angers, who are missing all, so many attacking players at Afcon. They're in danger. Lorient can be brilliant going forward, but defense is, a, is an issue there. And they're they're trying to address that with the acquisition of Habernes from Bastia, but. That's another one. Bastard themselves have, have issues with discipline. I, I, so I think that in that regard, if you stack, the, stack up those reasons, the Nazi look really good, especially compared to their competitors. Um, they seem to have a, a really impressive spirit uh, about, uh, about their, their play and about, about the they relate, way they relate to each other on the pitch. Uh, and it's missing from some of these other relegation-threatened teams who seem to have, you know, if they brought in veteran players, or somewhat of a mercenary aspect to the way that they're playing. And it doesn't it doesn't come off as well. So I think well done to Correa, well done and well done to Nancy for being where they are at this point. Uh, the second worst attack in the league, and they're in eleventh place. It's, uh, it's it's pretty impressive. Philip, do you think this run has been enough to keep them safe? Possibly. I mean, they're, they're three points off Santetti in an eighth, which is amazing to say when in in October time they looked destined for the drop. Yeah, but they're also four points from the playoff spot uh, from Angers, who are 18th. Um, very great run of form for Pablo Correa with uh, beating beating Angers and now beating Bastia. They're making uh, Marcel Picot uh, some kind of uh, some kind of uh, yeah Bastians. They've won five five games in a row since uh, since the home defeat to Paris Saint Germain back in. October, um, mid October, and you know I think in in this league if you if you do win your home games you you should be able to to be safe. I mean they are they are an awkward outfit to to deal with. They've uh, they've drawn uh, five five times away from home, but uh, it'll be it'll be tough until the end. One thing that um, they should feel optimistic about is that Pablo Coelho is a is an experienced manager. He's been at Nancy all his life. A bit à la Giroud uh, with uh, with Auxerre, and just knows just knows how to get uh, to get the job done. In terms of players, they've got what it. I mean, they do have what it takes. It's uh, it's not a it's not a bad uh, a bad set of uh, bad set of players. I just uh, think that the relegation fight is just so tight this season that it will go down to why. And I, well, to be honest, I, I don't see Nancy going down. But aside from Mets, I don't see anyone. Being dead set for for going down since since not change managers, Lille as well. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's it, it is it is looking it is looking up for for Nancy. Going back to 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 the question at hand, but I reckon that uh, they'll be looking over their shoulders until until the very last uh, match day. Yeah, and credit to them, and, and it's going to be a testing moment for them in the current issues with players going to the African Cup of Nations, and like Eric mentioned, Clarence Lengle going to going to Spain as well. That's whether they can hang on is maybe the issue heading forwards, but hopefully they can they can keep the form they've shown. But we're going to finish very quickly, Philip. I'm just going to get your thoughts on this, your favourite topic at least, which is relegation. You've briefly mentioned it there, and Caen, Lorient, and Nantes all won at the weekend. Draws for Dijon, Mutz, and Angers, so not many people moved around, but everyone gained mm. points. It's been a strange week, um, but who do you think had the best week and give them the best chance, really, of, of starting a bit of form in the second half of the season? I'm going to go with Caen. Uh, big win against, uh, against Lyon. Um, Patrice Gaon has uh, tried many, many systems. Uh, that's uh, three four three or other was a four five one last uh, yesterday. Uh, seemed to work uh, very, very well. Santini is um, getting more, more goals. Uh, Caramo is uh, is lightning quick down the right wing. Some good, um, good defending. Yeah, I, I honestly don't um, don't see them. Um, going down, but just like the, the whole bottom half of the table, they won't be they won't be safe until very late on. So call for me. Eric, was the only one who in that relegation fight has disappointed you this weekend, or, or really surprised you with their result? Oh, I I, I definitely think uh, Lorient. I think that uh, their second comeback win in a row is going to do huge wonders for their 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 confidence. I think that Payburn. Uh, looks a, looks a good fit in in central defense already, uh, and I think that even with even with the being a bit limited uh, due to due to injuries and and the, the African combinations, uh, they their willingness to keep playing attacking football 
is going to be really important uh, because we've seen that the likes of Metz, the likes of uh, likes of Khan at times, certainly Angers, certainly Dijon, certainly even Nancy, and we've just spoken about but their lack of ability to score goals is going to be a real Achilles heel for them. That's not something that Lorient have, and uh, I think Cassoni has shown that he's willing to uh, go after a match, and it's it, it tends to have positive results. Um, and increasingly, that defense is looking better and better. Uh, getting Lindsay Rose out of there, I think, is a good thing as well, given the attitude problems he's had both at that club and at Lyon in the past. Um, that can't be undersold either. So uh, just a general improvement. Lecomte's back in the, in the lineup. Uh, had a good match as well. Uh, so I, I think Lorient are looking better. I, I know they're still in 19th, but uh, for me, if you're going to say who's going down, I think right now, oh, I'd probably have to look at – I think Angers are a certainty too. I just really don't think they have what it takes to to stay up, um, e- even even factoring in the players coming back from Africa. Uh, they and Mets, and then third team, it's it's tough to call. I think Dijon could slip a little bit given their Afcon absences as well. But I think for me, great weekend for for Lorient, uh, despite sitting where they are. Yeah, and a great win against a team like Gangom, who've been firing on all cylinders in that first half of the season. Uh, that's all from us this week. My thanks to Eric, Philip, Mo, and all of you listening at home. Join us for the preview show hosted by Eric on Thursday, and we will see you here at the same time, same place next week. Aviento and goodbye.